Sunday night football. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's lost. Mills got a trace. Welcome into the podcast. It is week 14. It is NFL Picks with Gabe, and it's an everything burrito production. Uh, We are doing really good. We are flying high. We had a good week last week. Just a a real brief recap. Our week 13 action, we went 11-4 straight up. And we went 9-6 and six against the spread, a successful week uh, by any metric, so we are happy with that. But an exciting week of football coming up. We have some great games we're looking forward to and some, some tight matchups, um, a lot of underdog picks this week, um, so that's kind of fun. And we want to get right into the action. We want to talk about Houston at Chicago. Uh, the Texans are a team that has been a little mercurial. We found that, you know, Deshaun Watson is the constant there in Houston. And Watson is an incredible quarterback. Honestly, he's become underrated to a certain degree. And of course, the reason for that is because Watson's not surrounded by the same kind of weapons or coaching or defense that so many other great quarterbacks are surrounded by. He's he's doing it. He's a one-man band. He's doing it all by himself. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the Texans' skill position players. Certainly guys like, you know, Brandon Cooks is a decent wide receiver. Um, Even at tight end, Jordan Akins, you know, he's athletic. Um, But by and large, Watson is just flying solo out there. And he's doing a great job. He He is a really, really good quarterback. I don't know if he's great yet, but he's really, really good. And he's going up against a Bears defense that I think is... Uh, by and large, a little overrated. They are a totally different defense when Akeem Hicks plays. And Hicks is back in the lineup, and that's been a huge boon to the Bears, um, both for their run defense and their interior pressure. You know, Hicks is a game wrecker, and you'll continue to see him do very, very well. And I, I like the Bears defense. I think that they're a good defense. I just think that we're, we're still picturing the Bears as that 2018 defense, that defense that really tore people apart and managed to win tons and tons of games with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. And th- this is no longer that defense. They're good. They're, they're just not exceptional. So, uh, you know, Texans offense, Deshaun Watson going up against this Bears stop unit. Uh, Watson is going to put up a few points and he's, he's going to do fairly well. Um, even without Will Fuller still suspended for those uh, PED um, uh, substance abuse uh, suspension there. So, you know, it's a tough thing for Watson to deal with. But I, I do think, you know, Watson's going to pick his times. He's going to use his feet. And, you know, you're, you're going to see him get a, get a few points here. Uh, the Bears defense, again, no longer elite. Khalil Mack still a great, great player. Uh, Robert Quinn has had a decent season. Uh, you know, the linebackers there, Trevathan and Roquan Smith, you know, Roquan can go sideline to sideline, but he's still inexperienced and, you know, kind of a liability in coverage at times. And the Bears secondary uh, really hasn't played at an elite level. So again, I just think that the Texans, they'll get a few points across on the Bears here. And, you know, Watson's out for blood. (laughs) Keep in mind, this is... um, this is the same motivation that Patrick Mahomes has been using uh, for years now, right? That the Bears passed on him and took Mitchell Trubisky instead. Watson 
uh, has that same chip on his shoulder. So, you know, keep in mind, this is this is a little bit of a uh, psychological angle to this game for Deshaun Watson to go out there and blow the doors off a little bit against this Bears team that passed on him. Meanwhile, uh, on defense, the Texans are not an elite unit either. Now, they're, they're, they're very bad. In fact, outside of Whitney Merciless and J.J. Watt, this team really lacks a lot of impact players. And, you know, for the most part, their run defense has been very, very poor. Um, it, you know, their run defense is probably the worst part of their defense, but really they haven't been great against the pass either. Now they're missing some pieces. So, you know, the Texans have a defense that can be exploited by a competent offense. But the Bears are not a competent offense. Why not? Because Mitchell Trubisky is starting at quarterback. And, you know, the, the Bears really aren't that bad on offense outside of that. I mean, you think about their receivers are really good. Uh, I love uh, Darnell, Mad Dog, Mooney. That kid has crazy good speed, good hands. I think I saw a, a stat the other day that he hasn't dropped a pass all year. I mean, that's that's crazy. You know, you got Allen Robinson out there, Anthony Miller. Those are great receivers. Um, not in love with their tight end room, Cole Komet and uh, Jimmy Graham, but they've invested heavily in the position. Their offensive line isn't terrible. I've kind of knocked David Montgomery, but he's been running really well recently. Um, but none of that really, really matters because Trubisky finds a way to throw the game away. He always has those turnovers. I don't care if it's a fumble or an interception or what the case might be. But he's just going to play erratic, and he's just not going to be good enough. So in this game, the the Texans are one and a half point favorites. I think that's way too low. I see Deshaun Watson just putting on a show here in a little bit of a, a vengeance game, and I, I just don't think the Bears have the offense to hang with them. Uh, so even though the Texans don't have a good D, I just I can't see the Bears putting up a ton of points. And I'm going to go Texans 36, Bears 13. So Texans uh, easy win and easily cover one and a half point spread. Dallas at Cincinnati is our next game. Talk about vengeance games. Here's Andy Dalton coming against uh, the the Red Rifle coming against his his former team. Um, you know, the split up from the Bengals was was not a uh, not a good one there for for Dalton. And, you know, he'll, he'll have a little chip on his shoulder. The difference between uh, Dalton and Watson is Watson has the ability to follow through on, on that chip on his shoulder. Uh, Dalton is, is a competent enough quarterback. He's decent. And he's got some good weapons there in Dallas. Um, C.D. Lamb is really, really coming into his own. And, you know, I mean, we, we all like Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. And uh, even though Ezekiel Elliott hasn't really had a great season, he's still a really, really good running back. And the Cincinnati defensive unit is not great. Um, now, they, they have their pieces. I'm not trying to dismiss them entirely. You know, Je- Jesse Bates and Geno Atkins and some of these guys, they're, you know, they're decent. Um, but th- they've gotten rid of some of, their, some of their big pieces like Carlos Dunlap. And they haven't played great. The Cincinnati defense, they've been scrappy, but they haven't played great. So, you know, advantage Dallas offense there, even with the injuries on the offensive line, uh, with with Andy Dalton coming back um, uh, against his former team here. Um, you know, again, I, I can definitely see that being a factor, but I, I don't necessarily think the red rifle has what it takes to uh, to play a great, flawless, unbelievable game here, even against a Cincinnati stop unit. That's that's pretty inconsistent um, for for the Bengals offense. Um, obviously since, since Burrow exited, um, 
they've been struggling quite a bit. Um, Between Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley, (laughs) there's just not a good option to turn to there. Um, Sounds like it's going to be Ryan Finley starting this one at quarterback. Doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Joe Mixon, not going to be suiting up for this one either. It's going to be Gio Bernard at running back in place of him. Uh, But against this Dallas defense, this Dallas defense is absolutely uh, abysmal against the run. So I think you'll see Gio Bernard have a real solid game. I know Gio's a little limited too. You know, if this were five years ago, I'd say Bernard was going to light him up. But uh, yeah, at this point in his career, he's he's a savvy back. He's a scrappy back. You know, he'll do what it takes. I think Higgins is out for this game too. So um, you'll probably see Tyler Boyd put up a good game here. Um, I could see, you know, Finley's not a great quarterback for sure. In fact, uh, you know, the quarterback edge in this game definitely goes to the Cowboys. Um, These two teams are both bad, just to be honest. And uh, Dallas isn't a real threat, even in the NFC least. And Cincinnati is just, ugh. without Joe Burrow, they are not entertaining to watch. And, you know, but they're a scrappy enough team and they've kept things close. And that's the thing. I, I don't think Dallas has the firepower to blow Cincinnati out of the water. I definitely see Dallas emerging victorious here. I mean, I don't think that's in doubt, but at the same time, I I really see Cincinnati keeping this one close. Um, So I'm going to go Dallas 22, Cincinnati 19. Uh, Cincinnati's three and a half point underdogs, so I'll take them to to cover that, keep it within three points there. Um, So Cincinnati covering the spread, Dallas winning that one straight up. Uh, Denver at Carolina, as with so many games, and this is getting so tiring, but as with so many games, this has some COVID implications. So Carolina might be without several pieces. We really don't know. So much of this is it's, it's a little cloak and dagger. We have no idea who's suiting up for the Carolina Panthers. Um, is Bridgewater in? I don't know. He, he left the last game. Um, they played, you know, with, I think it was a shoulder injury or got maybe elbow injury, something like that. Um, I, I haven't really seen the injury report on that. And then the, the COVID stuff going on, and we don't know if McCaffrey's suiting up. So a lot of uncertainty uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Um, with that said, too, I mean, I think DJ Moore is out for this game. So, I mean, they, they are a beaten up unit. And so against most teams, I would just say <laughs> kind of doesn't matter. Uh, Carolina's going down. Um, they're going up against Denver. Denver has played pretty well in recent weeks. Um, I say that with, I know they got blown out by the Saints, but that was a miracle that they didn't get blown out by more because they didn't have a starting quarterback. Um, that was a really gutsy performance by the Denver Broncos without a starting quarterback just to to play four quarters, to hang in there, right? But uh, last week, they, they really did a good job hanging in there against the Kansas City Chiefs, but Drew Locke as a quarterback just cannot develop consistency even though the running game was rolling last week um they really didn't have that consistency and so that that's going to be what this one comes down to we can talk all day about the the Carolina offense going up against the Denver defense yeah I expect to see the Denver defense do pretty well here but uh the other side of the ball has to score for them right Drew Locke and and his running backs and his receivers have to have to bring it and you're going up against a Carolina team that their defense is one of the best kept secrets in football right now. Uh, their defense is really, really coming on. Jeremy Chin is a playmaker. He's a guy who got uh, two defensive touchdowns on back-to-back plays against Minnesota. Derek Brown has been a guy that has really come on. He is playing 
great football from the defensive interior. And I'm, I'm saying he's disruptive. He's stopping the run. Um, yeah, he's getting a little bit of pressure. Gross Matos is a guy who's playing off the edge really well. Shaq Thompson um, starting to come into his own as a linebacker there. Um, I, I really like this Carolina defense. Uh, they are fun to watch. They are an absolutely young and loaded defense. And, you know, I think Denver's going to have a really hard time moving the ball against uh, this Carolina stop unit that's really, really come together. So I, I, you know, earlier in the year, we talked about Carolina being a team that was easy to exploit. Yeah, uh, things have changed with the Panthers. That defense is really, really good. And I think you're going to see that on display. So I am unconcerned about the Carolina offensive players that may be out for this game, and I'm focused on the Carolina defense and their edge over the Broncos in this one. So, you know, Drew Locke, he's going to make some mistakes. We know that. Um, The running game is going to have a hard time getting going against Carolina because they've shown that they're capable of stopping guys. And, you know, even if this happens to be Uh, PJ Walker and Mike Davis instead of Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey I'm giving the edge to the Carolina Panthers in this one so I'm taking the Panthers to win this one I'm going to say 27 to 23 might actually be lower scoring than that but yeah I'm going to go Panthers 27 Broncos 23 Uh, Carolina favored in this one by three and a half points so we are taking the Panthers with that one Uh, let's talk Tennessee at Jacksonville So we can go on and on about the different matchups in this one and understand Jacksonville's offense is probably going to put up a few points on this weak, weak Tennessee defense. Remember last week, Baker Mayfield came into that game and just scorched this Titans defense. That's not because Baker Mayfield is a great player. That's because this Tennessee defense is weak and they're weak in the secondary and they have no pass rush and you know, I mean, guys are capable of running the ball on them too. And with this one, it's like James Robinson is going to run the ball. And we can, we can talk on and on about these matchups. Jacksonville clearly has some good matchups offensively against Tennessee. But this game is going to come down to King Henry. Uh, here's the thing. Derrick Henry, late in the season, turns into Superman. He turns into the Incredible Hulk. He turns into a guy that will destroy you down by down. He will take you and body slam you over and over and over again and break your will. And that's exactly what's going to happen in this game. Um, His Jacksonville team has a long history with Derrick Henry. Uh, Henry has had some of his most epic games against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I expect that to continue. Now, the best recipe for a bad defense is a good running game on offense. Tennessee knows that. Tannehill has looked pretty good in recent weeks, too. Um, Really connecting with Corey Davis. And, of course, A.J. Brown is a a megastar. So, you know, those guys are going to be rolling for him, too. Uh, Jacksonville is going to put up very little resistance. But the big, big thing in this game, the thing that you need to watch for in this game is Derrick Henry is going to take it to the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, I I will freely admit that Jacksonville matches up well on their offensive side of the ball with Tennessee's defense. And Tennessee, I, I don't I don't really care about the rest of the offense. All I care about is their ability to physically dominate with Derrick Henry. Uh, Jacksonville's defense has been really porous. Um, their run game, uh, their run defense has not been great. Their past defense has not been great. 
Uh, really, Jacksonville is doing nothing wonderful defensively, but I really think this is what this game comes down to. And while Tennessee is not a great team, they have a great running back, and they're going to use that in this game to continue to roll. I know they lost last week. I know it was a blowout fashion. Jacksonville does not have the pieces to do what Cleveland did against Tennessee last week. So I like Tennessee quite a bit in this one. I am taking the Titans to win this one. I'm going to say 35-23 over the Jags, and we're taking Tennessee as 7.5-point favorites to cover that spread. Kansas City at Miami. Uh, The Chiefs are a team that, I mean, you know, we're in love with the Chiefs. We love what the Chiefs can do. And they they are a really good football team top to bottom. But, um, you know, the the straw that stirs the drink is Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is the man. And he, I mean, alongside Aaron Rodgers, those two, I mean, they, they are the MVPs of this season. Like, bar none, there's nobody else in the discussion at this point. It's Mahomes and it's Rodgers. Um, but, you know, thinking about Mahomes, it's he's he's incredible at pulling a rabbit out of the hat, right? You know that Mahomes is going to win you the game. He, he always does. He finds a way to do it. Even when his team is, let's say, missing a few offensive linemen, let's say that he's under a lot of pressure, doesn't really matter. He's going to find a way to find his guys He's going to make the plays that that cause him to win the game. What if they don't have a running game? Doesn't matter. Mahomes will compensate for what the Chiefs lack. Right now, one of the things that the Chiefs lack is an elite defensive stop unit. Um, part of that is because of you know little nagging injuries, things that happen there. The Chiefs secondary has not necessarily performed super super well, and it, they've just not been making plays in the defensive side of the ball. So you got to keep that in mind with this one. But Miami is a team that's a little, they've been a little underrated all year long. And this will be Tua, Tua Tonga-Valoa, Miles Gaskin, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, you know, a decent Dolphins offense going up against a flawed Chiefs defense. So yeah, we expect to see the Dolphins put up a few points. Um, Defensively, Brian Flores has his guys playing very, very well. And you know, we expect to see that continue. The the Dolphins are just a very hard-nosed, they're, they're a team that's built the right way and they're fun to watch for that reason. And the strength of their team is in their secondary. And their pass rush is decent. Their, their defense in general is solid. Um, but it always comes back to their defensive backfield, which is very, very good. And you're going up against, you know, this is a strength-on-strength strength matchup because you're going Dolphins secondary against the Chiefs' great offensive weapons. And what's the X factor? The X factor is that Mahomes always does enough to win the game. That, that's that's a sentence that's amazing if you think about it. He always does enough to win the game. I understand, like, once in a while Mahomes loses. I'm not trying to say he's undefeated as a professional quarterback, but when you watch him, you just know he's going to do enough to win it. That said, Miami, outside of Mahomes, outside of Mahomes, Miami right now matches up as a even team with Kansas City, let's say. I know they don't have the offensive weapons, but I'm saying their defense is far superior and, you know, their offense is solid, right? But the difference here is Tua versus Mahomes. That's the difference. And so Mahomes is going to pull out the rabbit from the proverbial hat in this one. Of course he is. But I think it's going to be close. And I think it's going to be a really good game. If you have the ability to watch this game, watch this game. Because 
Mahomes is is awesome to watch. I'm a little bit of a fanboy. I enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes play football. So, and you should too. If you like football, you should enjoy watching him play. Um, but this Miami defense is good, and I I can see them holding their own here. I'm taking the Chiefs to win this one, uh, 24 to 21 over the Dolphins. Uh, Miami in this one is seven and a half point underdogs. I think that's totally unfair because the Dolphins are a really, really good team. Um, but, you know, they're going up against the Chiefs and they're going up against the Champs and they're going up against uh, one of one of two MVPs. <laughs> I'm saying co-MVPs to this point in the season uh, in Patrick Mahomes. So absolutely taking Kansas City to win that one, but I'm taking Miami to beat that seven and a half point spread against them. Uh, Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Ooh, has anybody been more difficult to prognosticate than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, some weeks they look electric, some weeks they look horrible, and they've been, they've just been difficult to, to understand where they're at. Oftentimes though, coming off a tough loss, they are really, really good. Uh, that's basically in Brady's DNA, right? So we expect to see that trend continue here against Minnesota. Tampa Bay coming off a loss to the Chiefs, and yeah, you expect to see Brady sharp. Um, as far as the offense goes there for Tampa, too, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's Ronald Jones, if it's Leonard Fournette, um, which receivers click in, you know, is it Godwin, is it Evans, is it Brown, is it Gronk? Doesn't matter. It's They've got so many weapons. And Minnesota defensively just does not have the horses to keep up that way. If, if Brady's ticked off and Brady's playing at the level that we know he can play at, uh, Minnesota's toast. Um, because, well, you got Kirk Cousins back there. And Cousins is going to be under pressure because we know that Tampa has the ability to get the pressure on the quarterback. And we know that Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, the, here's, here's a little word to the wise. Dalvin Cook is going to be shut down in this one. And I know that that seems hard to believe because Cook is the kind of guy who's just been rolling through everybody he sees. This Tampa run defense is a different animal. <laughs> that said, Tampa has a hole. Uh, Tampa has holes in the defensive backfield. Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis have not been the guys. Sean, Bunty, Mur- Sean Murphy Bunting and Antoine Winfield have been able to be exploited in coverage. They have a young secondary. They make a few plays, but they give up some big plays. So, you know, I'm expecting to see Cousins hit on a few deep throws where there's been mistakes in coverage, hitting uh, Thielen and Jefferson. Those two guys are rock stars back there, particularly Justin Jefferson. I, I I think we're still sleeping a little bit on how good Justin Jefferson is because this guy is he's he's a change the position kind of guy, right? He is a he is the kind of guy who he has that like Larry Fitzgerald ish rookie season uh, brewing right now. So he he is looking so so good. He is spectacular, and I expect to see him burn some Tampa secondary guys here. Um, but that said, Cousins is going to make some mistakes too, and Cook is not going to be able to get rolling. So you're looking at a Vikings team that's going to be a little one-dimensional, and that one dimension has to do with Kirk Cousins' arm, and that's not good for the Minnesota Vikings. So Vikings get their points, Cousins makes a few turnovers, Brady is ticked off, puts up some points. Uh, I don't care if it's Rojo or Fournette or whatever, but uh, the running game gets rolling, and Brady finds his targets. I particular, you know, I'm seeing this one as a pretty easy victory uh, for the Buccaneers. I'm going to go Buccaneers 30, Vikings 23. 
Uh, Tampa's favored by six and a half, so we will take Tampa to cover the spread and get the straight-up victory. Arizona at the New York Giants. Uh, Kyler Murray started the season looking amazing, and recently that's not been the case. I'm not saying he's bad or anything. I just think um, people have kind of got him off his spot. Defensive coordinators have been making him a little more uncomfortable, and I could see that continuing here against the Giants. The Giants have actually had a pretty solid pass rush, and their defense has been super underrated. I I keep saying this, but really, uh, that New York defense is underrated. Um, So I expect to see Murray, you know, he's going to get his points, he's going to run for a few yards, and he's going to hook up with DeAndre Hopkins because that's what he does. But at the same time, this isn't some kind of dominant offense, and you're going up against a tough New York Giants defense. On the other side of the ball, the Cardinals defense really is nothing to write home about. And meanwhile, the Giants offense, led by the bearded Colt McCoy, um, is um, is okay. They're, they're not great. They're okay. Now, uh, I, I said it's led by Colt McCoy. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking worst case scenario in this one because Daniel Jones might just start in this one, um, which it, it flip a coin. We don't know. He's probably going to be a game time decision. Um, but whether it's McCoy or Jones, the quarterback for the Giants will be limited. But the Giants do have something going for him. And that something is Wayne Gallman. We once Saquon Barkley went down, we just said the Giants run game is toast. Not true. Wayne Gallman has been very, very good. And with that little ace in the hole, Wayne Gallman rolling and, you know, solid offensive line play from the Giants. I I know it's weird to say, but there was this turning point. It was in the Buccaneers game where all of a sudden the Giants offensive line went from putrid to, look, this team can actually protect their quarterback. And so the Giants offensive line is underrated. The Giants defense is underrated. Wayne Gallman is underrated. And I really think the Giants are going to... um, keep it close in this one. So, you know, I still like Kyler Murray in Arizona to be able to pull it out. Who knows? Maybe on a last second Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins, you know, whatever. However they have to do it, I can definitely see the Cardinals pulling this one out. So I'm going to go Arizona 26, uh, New York 24, uh, the Giants covering that two and a half point underdog spread. So yeah, taking Arizona to win straight up Giants against the spread. Uh, Indianapolis at Las Vegas. Uh, the Colts are a team that uh, has been a little inconsistent, obviously. But, you know, they're winning the games that they need to win, and they're doing it in a hard-nosed, you know, playoff football kind of way right now. Uh, I like the tandem running back uh, situation that they got brewing there between Hines and Taylor. Uh, finally, Phillip Rivers seems to have a good connection with T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pittman's coming into his own. There's some good things happening for the Colts offense. Uh, their offensive line has been a little shaky recently, but I don't foresee that being a big issue against Las Vegas because they've been so inconsistent about getting pressure this year. Their defensive secondary is young. Um, last game, Damon Arnett had to leave early. I like Arnett a lot as a, as a corner there, their first round pick, but you know, we don't know his health status and you know, this Raiders defense hasn't been terrific. In fact, you know, they were the big reason why, uh, the Raiders lost, uh, or almost lost to the, to the Jets last week. (laughs) I'm counting it as a loss in my head. Anyway, uh, the, the point on it is, uh, I expect to see the Colts do solid, solid against the, the Raiders D. Uh, the Raiders on offense are so limited when Josh Jacobs is not 
healthy. And so I expect to see Jacobs miss this one, but even if he doesn't, he's not healthy. So uh, they got a nice road grader offensive line, and when Jacobs is rolling, they can really control the ball and do really well. But with Devontae Booker, it's just not the same, and that fails to open things up for Derek Carr. Carr and Darren Waller have a special connection. Darren Waller is a thrilling tight end to watch. He's great. I, I really I like the Raiders receivers, Ruggs and, and Aguilar. Uh, Ruggs with uh, the winning touchdown last week. That was pretty neat to see. But um, overall, you're going up against an Indianapolis team that is elite defensively. Uh, DeForest Buckner, Justin Houston are going to get the pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you got Darius Leonard in, in the middle, who's who's a playmaker. You got Xavier Rhodes shutting down one side of the field. So, you know, this Colts team has this Raiders team overmatched, um, especially without Josh Jacobs in the lineup and with some injuries in the Raiders secondary. So, with those things stated, I'm taking Indianapolis to win this one. I'm going Colts 27, Raiders 20, and Indianapolis to to cover that uh, two and a half point spread as the the favorites here. Uh, New York Jets at Seattle Seahawks. The spread for this game, 13 and a half points, 13 and a half, which early season against the Jets, I don't I don't care what the spread was. I was taking it. I was taking, yep, okay, they're definitely going to blow them out. And, and I think this is a weird game that way because the spread is kind of indicative of what the early season situation was with Seattle and with the Jets. Uh, Seattle was really rolling early in the season. You'll remember that. You know, DK Metcalf couldn't be stopped. Tyler Lockett couldn't be stopped, which, let's be honest, they still can't. It's just that Russell Wilson is now making a lot of mistakes, and Wilson is not playing like an MVP anymore. Early season, Wilson was incredible, but you have to keep up with what's actually happening right now. Now, I'm not saying, is Wilson going to have a great game? Yeah, he will, because this is a Jets secondary that's decimated. And because he, he still has DK, and he still has Lockett, and they're still great. But Wilson's making mistakes, and the offensive line is letting him down. And even with Chris Carson running well and, and back, and that's great, um, Seattle's not going to put up the fireworks that they were previously. So I, I still think Seattle will have a real good game. And, I mean, this is an 0-12 Jets team. They have not won a game. So, you know, are they, are they going to win this one? Probably not, but take a look at what's happening on the other side of the ball. Seattle's defense has been consistently weak. Um, they, they, they didn't get torched last week, but they were going up against Colt McCoy. So, you know, uh, pump the brakes a little bit on saying that Seattle defense is like Legion of Boom worthy right here, right? So Seattle's defense has been weak. We know that. And Sam Darnold has actually been doing pretty solid. I like Darnold. That that kid, you know, I know he hasn't won a game as a starter this year. No Jets quarterback has. But, you know, he's hanging in there. He's tough. He's uh, He's got a good arm. He's not afraid to push the ball down the field. He's got some nice weapons down there. Uh, Crowder and Mims and Perriman. And his offensive line is playing decent and... Yeah, I mean, this Jets team is not the joke that they were earlier in the season. So with that in mind, and and I think the Jets will keep this one close enough. I'm not saying it's going to be super, super close, but 13 and a half points, really? Because I I think we're overrating the Seahawks and I think we're underrating the Jets. So um, I'm taking Seattle to win this one. I'm going to say it's a close one. Um, Let's say Seahawks 30, Jets 28, uh, Jets easily covering that 13 and a half point uh, underdog spread. Uh, Atlanta at the Los Angeles Chargers. 
Um, Atlanta is a team that's played very inconsistent. They, they just got beaten for the second time by the New Orleans Saints. I don't really fault them for that because the Saints defense is really, really good. More on that in just a second. But, um, you know, the Falcons, whatever. They, they're just a team that's having a throwaway season. They can't run the ball. Matt Ryan looks frustrated. Their offensive line has been up and down. Uh, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones are great players, but, you know, two wide receivers do not a great team make. Um, so so that's the situation there. As far as the Chargers go, they, they got some pieces coming back. Uh, Chris Harris and Casey Hayward um, look to both be on the field at the same time for this one. That's a big deal. And, you know, the, the Chargers linebacking core is getting healthier. Joey Bosa, uh, you know, these guys getting after the quarterback now. So, you know, I, I see the Chargers, uh, you know, on the upswing. And I say that, you know, it's a little tongue in cheek because obviously they, they got hammered 45 to nothing uh, by the Patriots last week. I get that. But this this is a bounce back game if there ever was one against the Falcons, who are who are just very inconsistent. And uh, yeah, Justin Herbert obviously got shut out last week. Yeah, but he was going up against Belichick. We called it uh, in the previous week's pod. We talked about that. An inexperienced quarterback going up against Belichick. Belichick is a mismatch. And, you know, Justin Herbert has been spectacular at times. And I think we're forgetting that. Against Atlanta, I expect to see him go off. I expect him to, you know, do very well. Um, Austin Eckler is back and finally kind of getting into his own again. Um, or I expect him to here anyway. You know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. You know, the Chargers just have too many offensive weapons and they're going to be they're going to be upset because of how manhandled they got last week um so I expect to see a motivated and excellent chargers team come out here and, and take the bull by the horns get the victory i'm calling for the chargers to win this one it's an upset special because they're two and a half point underdogs so i'm going to say chargers 31 falcons 23 and and taking the chargers straight up and against the spread uh, we we referenced that Mahomes is the co-MVP. Well, well, the other guy uh, right now that's really, really been lighting it up is Aaron Rodgers. So let's talk Green Bay at Detroit. Um, Green Bay at Detroit's a really interesting matchup because there's no way that Detroit is stopping Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offense right now. And, and it's not just Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Jones is is running like crazy right now. And the Packers have a deep running back core there because they, they have Jones and, and Jamal Williams both uh, really, really good. Still waiting to see A.J. Dillon come back into the, the fold on that one. Robert Tunyon is playing really well as a tight end. And you have, you know, Alan Lazard and MVS and, you know, obviously Devontae Adams. So this, this Green Bay offense is looking just unstoppable, just awesome. And Detroit's defense is bad. I mean, you know, you, you saw the Bears do fairly decent against this Detroit Lions defense. So, you know, I, I obviously think that the Packers will do very, very well offensively uh, against the Lions. But the Lions are an interesting team because I, I, I like the Green Bay defense quite a bit against the pass because of Jair Alexander and Kevin King and Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos and all these guys. But What's what's interesting here is the Lions have been without Kenny Galladay for a bit. They're not the same team. We've said this over and over again. The Lions are not the same team without Kenny Galladay. And the same thing could be said for DeAndre Swift. These are the two playmakers that they have on offense. Look, Stafford is a really good quarterback. 
Uh, you know, regardless of what you think about Matthew Stafford, Stafford is in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. And Stafford, give him a couple weapons, and they're a totally different team. So they've been struggling in recent weeks uh, because Stafford's been trying to throw the ball to, you know, Marvin Jones and Quintez Cephas and, you know, TJ Hawkinson, and he's been doing okay. In fact, they got the win against the Bears last week. But in this game, and, and we were kind of wondering whether, okay, is DeAndre Swift going to play? Is Kenny Galladay going to play last week? Neither one suited up. So we saw the offense struggle a little bit, but we saw Stafford get it done. And so in this game against Green Bay's defense, um, well, Green Bay, I like their stop unit and I like the pressure they've been getting on the quarterback. If Swift and Galladay both suit up, this is going to be a little bit of a shootout because DeAndre Swift is a playmaker and if Daryl Bevel knows what he's doing as as a head coach, he's going to get the ball into Swift's hands, and he's going to you know he's going to get Galladay out there too, and and make sure he gets his targets. And so I see the Lions keeping up with the Packers in this one. Now I absolutely don't see the Lions winning this game. Um, you know, really the same principle we talked about with Mahomes applies to Rodgers. Um, you know, Rodgers he tilts the field. He will get the victory in a close game. Rodgers is the difference maker. So I I see the Packers winning this one. I'm going Packers 33, Lions 30, Uh, but Detroit is seven and a half point underdogs. So I can see them hanging with the Packers. Um, Let's talk Saints at Eagles. Um, In this one, Jalen Hurts is going to be making his first start in this game. I am going to go on a little rant right here. Okay. So uh, apologies, but here, here we go. Um, Jalen Hurts making his first start. Um, I get it. Carson Wentz looks beaten and broken, but you did that to him, Doug Peterson. Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. Carson Wentz, uh, first overall pick, lived up that to that potential, uh, thrived, looked like an MVP in 2017. Honestly, late last year, he looked like an MVP as well. This guy is an incredible quarterback and Philadelphia has mishandled him in every way possible. They have not given him the weapons around him. Uh, They have put him into impossible positions. The play calling has been awful. Doug Peterson is an absolute imbecile with the way that he has used Carson Wentz. And, you know, I think it's a shame. I'm not saying that this isn't isn't the right move at this point to start Jalen Hurts, but you got to be freaking kidding me when you're talking about Jalen Hurts unseating Carson Wentz when Wentz clearly is a quarterback that if you surround him with the proper personnel and you treat him in the proper way, he has MVP potential. He showed that in 2017. And, you know, to move on from him at this point and for Peterson to not even speak with his quarterback after he benched him last week, did not even talk to him after that, that is that is classless and that is awful. Um, it's probably well known. I'm an advocate of quarterbacks. I hated the way Washington treated Dwayne Haskins earlier this year, but comparatively, this is much more egregious. Um, just, just stupid. And Jalen Hurts, what is he going to do out there? Um, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but I, you know, I evaluated Jalen Hurts coming out of school. Um, you know, he can make some plays with his legs. I, I agree with that. I'm not saying that he's incompetent as a passer, um, but but he's not going to do great. He's not going to be excellent. I had I had Jalen Hurts um, as kind of a late mid round pick. Um, he was picked in the second round. I think that was way too too early to pick him. And I 
You know, against this Saints team, I expect to see Jalen Hurts get destroyed because this Saints defense is really, really good. Um, you know, Miles Sanders, if Peterson wants to win this game, he needs to run Miles Sanders and he needs to use Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts in a Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram type style from last year. Um, I don't see Peterson doing that because he has no idea how to call plays with his personnel in mind. Um, not a big Doug Peterson fan over here. Anyway, uh, the, the point of this is Philly is really going to struggle offensively because I don't see Jalen Hurts getting the ball to his weapons. See the Saints defense putting the clamps down on him. And meanwhile, Taysom Hill is coming into his own as a passer. He's looking better and better each week. He is finding his guys downfield. He's a threat in the running game. Alvin Kamara is, uh, you know, just healthy and running well. I mean, there's no stopping the Saints team. Um, if any game has blowout written all over it this week, it's this one right here. I expect to see the Saints throttle the Eagles. So I'm going, let's say, Saints 39, uh, Eagles 7. Uh, Saints are 6.5-point favorites, so we'll easily take them. Uh, Washington at San Francisco, uh, you saw Washington, you know, pull out the victory against the Steelers. Now that had a lot to do with the Steelers kind of shooting themselves in the foot, but that's a big deal for Washington and Washington is a, a much better team than maybe they're recognized for nationally, mostly because they have a really good defense. We've been saying that for a while, but their entire defensive unit has really coalesced and come together and they're super solid. Uh, San Francisco is a team that, that's been a little inconsistent. One of the reasons for that is they have Nick Mullins starting at quarterback. And Nick Mullins starting at quarterback, who is, um, you know, mistake-prone. He's capable of making some good plays, but he's also very mistake-prone. I'm just basically going to say that Washington is going to, they're going to put pressure on him. They're going to sack him. They're going to force him into turnovers. And I think that's what we can expect here. So the 49ers, um, I like their defense. I think that their defense is solid. Um, their linebacking core is one of the best in the league. And, you know, Verrett and Sherman are shutting guys down on the outside uh, for the most part. So, uh, although they struggle against the Rams. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I like San Francisco. And, I, you know, I'm not unduly high on the Redskins. But I think just matchup-wise, with, with the Redskins defense against the San Francisco offense being so overwhelmingly an advantage for the Redskins in this one, even though I, I don't anticipate Alex Smith just tearing things up for the Washington offense, I'm seeing the Reds. Oh, oops. The Washington football team uh, winning this game. So I'm, I'm going to take the Washington football team to win this one 19 to 17 over the 49ers. And um, uh, Washington football team's a, a three and a half point underdog. So I'm taking them to cover that and to get the straight up victory. Uh, Pittsburgh at Buffalo is our next matchup. Uh, let's see. So Pittsburgh, yeah, they, they shot themselves in the foot. They're not looking as good as they were. Um, they, you know, they're fading at the wrong time, honestly. Uh, their run game hasn't been that great. Um, you know, their offensive line play could be better. Um, their receivers are still fantastic, and, and Roethlisberger is capable of getting those guys the ball against a team that, you know, maybe had a worse defense. But uh, they, they faced a, a tough test in Washington, and that doesn't really get a whole lot easier against the Bills because the Bills have a good secondary, Tredavious White and Micah Hyde and all those guys. So I, I think that Pittsburgh is going to continue to make some big plays, uh, but also I think the Buffalo defense can, you know, put the clamps down a little bit here. On offense, the, the Bills have um, 
Josh Allen, who ha- has played really, really well. He had a few weeks there where, where he didn't play so well, but he's really come back around. Um, the Steelers defense, though, is still really, really good. So I, I think you got to take that into account here. Um, I-, I think that, you know, th- this Bills squad, uh, they don't rely on the run game too much. If they did, uh, the Steelers would really have an advantage. But mostly, you know, Josh Allen wants to beat you through the air and with his legs. And, you know, Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs are, you know, that, that wide receiver room is, is really, really good for Buffalo and they, they're getting some plays out there and, you know, they're, they're a solid team going up against a Steelers secondary that has had their moments, um, but they have their weaknesses. So in this one, uh, Buffalo's favored by two and a half. I like the Steelers to stick close. Like, I think this is going to be a really good, really close game. But I'm taking the Bills to win this one 28 to 27 over the Steelers and kind of kind of worried that the Steelers are going to kind of fade down the stretch. We'll, we'll see what happens here. Um, yeah, it, I should should be a good game. Uh, our last game of the week is Cleveland at Baltimore. Um, Cleveland, you saw them just destroy the Titans. And I, I think we need to look at that game pretty close. I think we need to see what's happening there. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are dominant. How, how are you going to stop this Cleveland team? Because no matter what you throw at the run game, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to get their yards and they open things up for Baker Mayfield. Mayfield's not a great quarterback, but any quarterback with that kind of run game, um, he's capable of hitting his spots. And so I think you'll continue to see that because there's no stopping Nick Chubb when he's rolling. Um, so Baltimore has a, a, a better run defense than, than Tennessee, but, um, and a better secondary for sure. But I, I really like the momentum of this Cleveland team. Meanwhile, uh, Lamar Jackson looked good against the Cowboys. Um, but I, I gotta say with Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett breathing down, down his neck, I, I think this is going to be a much harder matchup against Cleveland. Not that Cleveland doesn't have their issues, but I think that they're a much easier team uh, to to beat, maybe uh, through the through the air than on the ground because they've they've played it a little tighter on the ground, uh, even shutting down Derrick Henry to a reasonable degree last week. So I think Baltimore is going to struggle with with the strengths of their game, and I think Cleveland is really a team to watch because they're just playing the right kind of way for late season playoff type football here. So Cleveland's one and a half point underdogs. I like to, them to, to win straight up. Uh, so I'm taking the Browns 34, Ravens 27. And uh, yeah, little upset special there to close out the week. All right. Well, uh, let's, let's just uh, cover 10 guys I like in fantasy a little more than the experts. Uh, 10 guys. So let's start with Jared Cook. I like Jared Cook versus Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia's linebackers are not so good. They're not great at covering the pass there. So like Jared Cook, uh, Cook hasn't seen a ton of targets, uh, but Taysom Hill is finally starting to get on the same page with him. And so I think you'll you'll see that continue against Philly. Um, two guys I like a lot versus Atlanta, uh, playing for the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, quarterback Justin Herbert, wide receiver Keenan Allen. I like both of them to have strong bounce back performances after uh, a tough week against New England. I like Antonio Brown against the Minnesota Vikings secondary. I think uh, this is the week that Tom Brady has something to prove. And I think he goes out there and does that uh, with utilizing Antonio Brown. I like Devontae Parker against the Kansas City 
Chiefs defensive backfield. I think that Tua is going to find ways to get him the ball against a team that yeah has just not played that well defensively in recent weeks. Uh, I also like Miles Gaskin in that game against the Kansas City defense. Of course, uh, running game is such a huge factor. When you're going up against the Chiefs, you want to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. So I think you'll definitely see a lot of Miles Gaskin. This might be super obvious. We talked about this earlier, but I'm saying Derrick Henry this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I just see him running wild. So watch out for that. I like DeAndre Swift a ton against Green Bay. Long as Swift is healthy, I see him doing very, very well. And then a couple quarterbacks I like because of the play-action game. I could see Ryan Tannehill doing very well against Jacksonville. And then Sam Darnold against Seattle's weak defense. I can see Darnold playing very, very well. Um, he's kind of on a roll. He's doing he's doing real well. He's coming into his own. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the NFL action. I'll see you right back here for week 15. This has been NFL Picks with Gabe on everything burrito production.